Nuggets suffer a tough loss versus the Orlando Magic at home without a bunch of guys. But then they bounce back because, well, the Pistons are re really bad. I'm going to tell you why the Nuggets are exactly as good as last year. Not any better and not any worse. Plus, we'll talk about the MPJ question of why his scoring falls off later in games. All that and more on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day, part of your week, part of your lives. Appreciate you guys being in every day or joining us Monday through Friday here on the show. No world's finest this week. Adam Mares is out uh, for a couple days. You'll notice that across uh, his work over at DNBR as well. So it's just me today. Uh, you'll have Swipe It tomorrow, and then Adam and I'll be back for World's Finest on Wednesday. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app and create an account and use code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $20 off your first purchase. On today's show, we're going to talk about the loss of the Magic. We'll do that in the second segment. We're going to start with a win over the Pistons because, well, it's nicer to talk about wins. And then the final segment, we'll talk about the MPJ. Uh, stuff going on in terms of his overall scoring in the first quarter and like how it changes and the conversation that's kind of evolving as far as that with the team. We'll talk about all that and more. The overriding theme, though, of today's show is going to be this. The Nuggets are exactly as good as last year. They are not any better. They are not any worse. They are not a more a, a overall better team with the bench. They are not an overall better team with the starters. They are exactly as good as last year. And I'll talk about why on today's show uh let's talk a little bit about the win over the the pistons so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and, and be honest with you here um i had podcasts with some folks on the east coast last night so i had to leave at halftime of this game um and the reason i was able to leave at halftime time is i watched the first half of this game and then kate cunningham was announced out and i was like well that'll do that uh look Detroit's the worst team in the league by margin they will be better by the end of the year like detroit won't be this bad by the end of the season but it was Fairly evident um, as this game was going that the Nuggets were not going to lose this game. Now, the Pistons hung in the first half. Uh, Bogdanovich gave them some really good minutes. Uh, but Jamal Murray, of course, with an absolutely phenomenal scoring game, as you kind of figured he would after he really struggled in the first one uh, in the game in the loss versus the Magic. Not a big surprise that Jamal would bounce back in the way that he did here. Um, you know, I, I will say it's interesting that there's all this conversation about Jamal's passing. And, and so what does Jamal do? He goes out and he scores uh 37 points on 14 of 24 shooting five boards four assists uh for him after just one assist in the first half uh and a plus 11 he was phenomenal in this game joker look um uh, i'm gonna joker did not take this game seriously and you can see that if you go back and you watch how he defended jalen duran who just like scored whenever he basically wanted because Jokic knew that they weren't going to go to duran over and over and over again and there was no way for the pistons to be able to outpace them and joker shot three times in this game <laughs> he played 24 minutes he shot three times he had 16 assists and like it's a laugher right and there was a a really um interesting post on on the pistons board on the pistons reddit that was like them marveling at how Jokic controlled this game and how it's like honestly this was more insulting than any of the other performances because you could tell how like effortless this was for him uh, and that's just really honestly true. This was a game uh, for a while in the first half 
Nuggets got off to a good start. Pistons came back. Pistons took a lead. Pistons were like fighting with them. And then the third quarter came in without Cade Cunningham. Uh, Denver gets it up to 15. And then that was pretty much it. They're not coming back. And then the bench is able to get 20. And that's curtains. You're, you're not coming. The Pistons are coming back on the Nuggets in Denver down 20. That's not going to happen. Um, all, overall, I thought this was a really good game from a lot of Nuggets. Um, you know, look, it, they didn't need a lot from a lot of different guys. Reggie had a better game in this one. 13 points on 5 of 7 shooting. He was pretty good uh, in this one. DeAndre Jordan. How about DeAndre Jordan? Uh, a lot of folks asking, like, why is DeAndre Jordan playing? Well, you're playing Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart. Like, this is a good game to play DJ in. And guess what? Nine points plus seven, an absolutely monster, like a pair. But the first one was just a monster old school. Uh, the one where he killed Brandon Knight a couple of years ago. If Bogdanovich had not made a business decision, Bogdanovich was getting Brandon Knighted. And it was just like insane. If you're, by the way, if you're a youngster and you have not seen that, go to YouTube and look up DeAndre Jordan, Brandon Knight, and you'll be like, DJ and yeah, that's that's who DJ used to be, uh, especially the stank face because he he dropped a few great faces last night. He was really good in this one. Peyton Watson was good in this one. Fifteen points, hit two threes. Guess what? He hits threes and he's a he's a positive in the plus minus. I'm not saying that they're directly correlated, but it always just winds up being that way. Uh, Christian Brown got some cuts in this game. He looked a little bit better. The Pistons are just. I mean. Look, I don't like ham. I don't like hammering these teams. I feel bad for them. Like I just tend to like wind up feeling really bad for teams in this kind of a spot where they so often like it's it's really rough. Malone's talked pregame about how much he's texted Monty Williams, and like they keep in touch anyway because they're close. But he especially was like sending him encouragement, which is like if anybody can get this team through this stretch, it's you. Um, and yeah, like. It's just, I feel rotten for all of the Pistons. I feel bad for the young guys who are just learning nothing but losing habits. I feel bad for the veterans that are stuck in the situation and can't help raise those guys up. I feel bad for Monty Williams because it's not like he wants to coach one of the worst team in the NBA, especially after he went to the finals three years ago. It's rough. Um, it's a rough situation, but they had no match for Denver. Um, one other positive I will kind of say here is um, the... Uh, the defense of Michael Porter Jr. was phenomenal. Sorry, my, my brain shorted there for a second. Michael Porter Jr., I thought his defense was really good in this game. Uh, Malone, we keep trying to ask, and we're going to talk about this in the last segment, we keep trying to ask questions about the Michael Porter Jr. scoring early and then dropping off stuff without getting any, like, we're not trying to create a narrative. There's this idea that the media, like, wants to, like, instant no like you just ask questions that are the relevant stories and so if it is a story amongst the fan base of like why is it that mike doesn't get shots later in games you ask mike that and he had a really insightful answer the other night and you ask malone a little bit about it and like the questions are, are like vinnie benedetto of the of the post asked like the perfect question which was like hey what are things that michael can do to help get him going later in games and what can you do and malone because he was still pissed off about the magic loss which we'll talk about in the second segment was like well if anybody thinks the offense was the problem and it's like no malone, malone, like it's just like an ongoing conversation right like an mpj i thought responded really well um with his defense in this game he was locked in he was making plays he had blocks he was flying all over the place it's been a real, like michael board jr is playing well that's why the the peyton watson stuff i think is so interesting is that Peyton Watson keeps getting opportunities to close games, despite the fact that when I watch my Michael Porter Jr., there are there are nights. Certainly, he was bad in the Magic game, not worse than Jamal, but he was bad in the Jamal game. Um, so that to me is like all over the place. I just think it's it's really um, interesting how 
the dynamics are playing out with that. But we'll talk more about Mike in the final segment. Um, this is a game that the Nuggets were probably never going to lose. And it really is illustrative. There was a couple of years ago, I used to call the Detroit game uh, the prank game. And the reason is because it seemed like the Nuggets would lose these games to the Pistons just entirely to piss off Malone. <laughs> like it was like, a, you know, a really, really, really piss off coach is if we lost this one. Uh, they had one a couple of years ago that was absolutely just horrific. This was several years ago, but but I mean, it was a nightmarish loss for them to the Pistons. And like this team now has evolved to a point where they're not going to lose it. Now, what's interesting is we'll talk about on the other side about the loss of the Magic. And it feels anecdotally like the Nuggets are not as good at home this year. But are they? We'll talk about that up next as we review the Magic game here on the other side on Locked on nuggets right now i want to tell you about game time uh game time is the absolute best way for you to get tickets up to the start of an event including just like an hour after you can get tickets um my wife's going to i'm gonna go catch an abs game here in a little bit and that's what she's using is a, the game time app to get those tickets uh concert tickets you can get them up to the event like you can walk up to the door and get tickets to these concerts that you want to see i've started looking at the concert slate for 2024 got some great ones Excited. I'm probably going to Hozier again because he was amazing. Um, you can get all those tickets on the Game Time app. And the cool part is you can see the view from your seat. So you know exactly what you're getting. You're also going to know what you're getting when you pay for it. There's no hidden fees. You can get everything up front in the app that's going to show you how much you're going to pay total. Not like, oh, it's this much. Plus, I hate the that stuff pisses me off. You're never going to get that with game time. You're going to get the actual price that you have to pay to get those tickets. And you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. It's so easy. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on, L O C K E D O N, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Lockdown Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Matt Moore with you on uh, Monday. Um, want to let you know, uh, Adam will be back on Wednesday. Also want to let you know that you can support the show by going to youtube.com slash Nuggets. That's the best way for you to support the show. Let's talk about that loss to the, the Magic because, oof, oh boy. Uh, the Magic were without Franz Wagner and Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac and... Anthony Black got sick in the game. Like, they were down so many starters. And Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, Goga Batase, like, they just cooked the Nuggets, especially from deep. And it was the second game where the third quarter was a problem. Now, the Nuggets rectified that in the win over the Pistons. They locked down, played some good defense versus a bad team, and righted the ship there. But it's like a little bit of a blip um, that they had in terms of defense in the third quarters. And there was a little bit of, a, like, an opportunity here for a letdown. The most meaningful takeaway I can honestly tell you from that game is um, that Jamal is still going to struggle a little bit with guards like Jalen Suggs. And it's something to keep an, an eye on where there's not a center, I think, that can give Jokic problems anymore. I just think he solved all of them. It used to be like, hey, guys, like Wendell Carter Jr. or you know, even Aiton, right? And he's just like, Jokic has, has evolved to a spot where nobody really bothers him and very few players ever get there. And that's, you know, a historic level. 
it's not like a knock on Jamal. There are players that give Aaron Gordon problems. There are players that give Michael Porter Jr. problems. There's players that give Jimmy Butler issues. There's players that give Devin Booker problems. Like everybody has these games where there are matchups that cause problems. And with Jamal, it is most specifically wing defenders that are of, I would say, medium to guard height with good wingspan. And Jalen Suggs, I tweeted this during the game, like he exists in a constant state of being in your shirt. And him, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, a few other guys, Lou Dort is another guy. There are matchups where he struggles. Now, like Grace says, says this in the chat, um, which is that Jamal struggles with good defenders. Just don't want him to keep going at the matchup. I would agree uh, with that assessment. I think one of the problems is that when the when teams blow up the mechanisms for the Nuggets, particularly we've seen this in the two-man game, they do have a little bit of moment of uh they don't they have so many second and third functions, but it's dependent on sometimes the first initial pick and roll working or screen action, split action, whatever it is that they're running. When those things can get jammed, they do have moments where they will get reset. On the final sequence, quite honestly, it was just insane defense from, from Jalen Suggs. So uh, if you've forgotten, then what happens is they try and run two-man game with Joker and Jamal. And Mo Wagner, they start, like, Suggs looks like he's blitzing. So Jamal backs away. And back, so what? Because that's what you're supposed to do is like back away, give yourself space, and then you would have Jokic on the short roll. But Suggs drops after he fakes, he basically faints the, the blitz and then backs off into essentially a zone. Like it's Suggs just zoning Joker, and Murray can't throw the lob over it. He can't throw a bounce pass through it because Wagner plays really good defense. And this is similar to what happened with OKC earlier this year in the nail-biter loss that they suffered there in Denver too, which is like, if you can blow up that first action in these late-game situations, you do have the ability to make the Nuggets into some desperation situations. So, like, the KCP turnover was obviously just as big. It wasn't just on Jamal. Like, Jamal had a bad game. But... I will say that like the quote unquote unstoppable two man game is starting to see some creative solutions for it. Now they will be prepared for those. I think by the time the playoffs come, like they will understand what those reads are, but teams are throwing a lot of, of different things at them. Um, what I think is interesting. And then, uh, you know, Grace again says this, she's, she's always got good comments. Final se sequence is forgivable. PNR was the plan, but going at Suggs and ISO throughout the third quarter was dumb. I kind of agree with that. Um, Jamal was obviously just kind of like trying to, to work. And part of this is like if Jamal, like it's a pride thing, but it's also, if you can break down that initial defense and if you can score, that's going to like, that will turn that and that will force different defense and that'll force help and doubles and the kind of things the Nuggets want to do to get the ball movement booming. Right. Because if it's just, I, if they're able to switch everything and play ISO, or if they're, they're maintaining their coverage and drop, then they're able to keep everything in front of them. And now you don't have any of that Nuggets ball movement. And that's what makes it tough. Um, Astrid says Murray is too dependent on Jokic. I don't know that that's fair because we have never seen Murray. Like Murray's never gotten to play with like another big. Most guards in the league need a big to play with. Damian Lillard. Steph Curry. Like you need, like there are very few great ISO guards that are below 6'5". 
that just doesn't happen a whole lot. So I don't think it's fair to necessarily describe this as uh, Murray's dependent on Jokic. I think that Murray never really, like, I've all often wondered, this is really, there's a funny moment on press row last night where I was like, you know, I wonder, like, why doesn't Murray ever run pick and roll with DJ? Like, he never runs pick and roll with DJ. And then they ran it six times, and I think they scored on four of them. Um, but, like, there's just not, not a lot of experience. He, Murray has only ever played pick and roll with Nicola, who is unlike every other player on the planet. So some of this is just, like, dependent on him. And look, if you give Murray a bad defender, he's going to cook, right? He's going to absolutely roast him. See, last night. Like, that's, like, an entirely uh, true thing. It's not like Murray struggles without, like, if he doesn't have a, a premier matchup on him. One of the issues, though, I will say, is that if you have a good lockdown defender on Murray, and then you're able to appropriately zone slash defend Nicola just to deter him getting the ball back, you don't have the option to necessarily swing it because they don't have another creator. Like, Aaron is a creator in terms of trigger actions. But MPJ is not. And this is one area where, again, we'll talk about this in the final segment, but it's one area where I think it's really important to kind of keep in mind is that the, the coaching staff, the Nuggets as a whole as an organization, have not ever put Michael Porter Jr. in a position to develop his on-ball game. They have asked him to play a very specific role, and he has dedicated himself to doing so. But there are times when they could honestly use another creator on the floor. And, like, this is asking for a lot when you have the best creator on the planet in Jokic and you have a great creator in Jamal. To ask for a third one is a lot to ask for, but you do have guys that are getting paid that way. So it would help them to kind of have a little bit of those different types of dynamics. Um, so uh, that's kind of my thought. What I will say here is this isn't necessarily like a crazy loss. It feels like it, but the Nuggets did have these last year. I looked up, the Nuggets are currently on pace for eight home losses this season. Like they're on pace to lose eight home games throughout the course of the season. Um, they are 15 and four at home. They had seven losses last year. So like they are on pace to be exactly who they were last season. There is no big differential and they haven't played their best basketball yet. They may not. Like, I do want to kind of warn like the idea of like, we haven't played our best basketball. Like you may not get there. It may not be into the playoffs. I have some confidence. They'll, they'll play their best basketball in the postseason, Right. Um, I do think this year will be harder for the, for Denver because of how much better everyone else is this year than last. But I do think that ultimately um, this is a season where Denver looks to me exactly like last year. Okay. Uh, Bruce Brown was a loss. You lost Bruce Brown's steadiness, his reliability, what he gave them. You have had what I think is best described as maybe a stall out kind of season for Christian Brown. He hasn't taken a step forward, but Peyton Watson has, and his athleticism and dynamicism does kind of make up for it. Um, Reggie has been really good. He's had some bad stretches. He was good last night. He's inconsistent, but overall, like he may not be as reliable as Bruce Brown, but the numbers I think are a little bit better. A lot of the underlying metrics are going to say that they're actually better than last season. I would say that they feel very much like just as good where it's like if you if you add on all the pluses and minuses, you're going to come out with exactly the same team. And that doesn't mean that they match up the same way. They might match up actually better in the playoffs given Watson's emergence. But to me, when I look at this team, I just kind of look at them and go like, yeah, they're exactly as good as last year. Like they are just dead on. This is exactly what they looked like last year. Some disappointing losses, 
where you're just like, really? Um, but mo for the most part, you can count on them to be quality as long as they're healthy. And that's obviously the biggest question going forward. Uh, we will take a quick break on the other side. I want to talk about Michael Porter Jr. and the dynamics of him with the offense. What's kind of gone on with him getting shots? Um, is that on Jamal Murray? Is that on the offense? Is that on the coaching staff? Is that on Jokic? We'll talk about that on the other side here on Locked on Nuggets. Let's talk about FanDuel Sportsbook. Yesterday was a great day. You know why? My NFL futures came in. I had Rams over nine and a half wins. I had uh, the Denver Broncos under on their win total. I had the Chicago Bears under on their win total. So I've, my account over at FanDuel is uh, feeling pretty good. And that means that it's time to get in on the playoffs. The NFL season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app's so easy to use, and there are many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays. Some of those really are genuinely pretty good value. Uh, you can also do things like bet the Nuggets to win the West Conference and the Celtics to win the Eastern Conference and get a pretty good payout. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, making this part of your day. Thanks for being an everydayer. We appreciate those of you that check in with us Monday through Friday on the daily. Uh Swipe will be with you tomorrow on Tuesday. And then um, Adam and I'll be back with you on Wednesday for World's Finest. Uh, all right, let's talk about Michael Porter Jr. So I, I asked this question a couple of games ago. And I asked him, you're not trying to like, again, I want to be very clear on this. If we were to ask, hey, why are you frozen out later in games? Okay. That's an instigator question. If I ask like, hey, why does Jamal Murray freeze you out later in games? That's honestly like an insulting and um, not inappropriate necessarily, but it's definitely like, it's not a good question. Because one, you're going to put him on the defensive. He's like, that puts MPJ in, in a spot of like two options here, which is either he throws his teammate under the bus or he denies something. And that's obviously like an ongoing issue. Now it's an option. A lot of players take, and that's not a bad one to take. If he says no comment, that's like the worst. Like if you ask like, Hey, why is Jamal Murray freezing you out later in games? Again, I'm not saying that that's happening. I do not think that's happening, but like, why is you know, like, why is Jamal Murray freeze you out later in games? And he says no comment. That's literally, he's not saying anything, but that's going to be read as, Ooh, there's problems in Denver. Um, so we asked the question and MPJ answers because he's trying to be polite and professional. Okay. Then that becomes like a talking point and it becomes like an illustration of like MPJ's unhappy with this, that, or the other. When I want to be very clear, like MPJ is not complaining about stuff. When he says like the offense has to do better about getting him and KCP more shots, like he's right. Like the Nuggets do wind up as the game goes along relying on the two-man game too much and we've kind of seen that it's easy to do that because it's the most effective weapon in the nba it won them a title so i get why they why it happens but there's got to be i think some other mechanisms the other thing i would say is and like i asked him about this just from a like what do you think is you know going on he did kind of mention like i do he, you know he mentioned that teams do guard them differently to start the game this is part of the game flow is teams come out and their number one thing on the scouting report is we got to shut down the two-man game 
So they throw all of all of their resources at stopping the two-man game. And then MPJ has these huge quarters. And so then at the quarter break, guess what the coaches are telling them? Hey, we're going to have to slow down MPJ. And you'll see it. You'll see more help coming off him in these first quarters. And then they start staying home after the first. I mean, like, we got to make somebody else beat us, right? Now, my issue is that there needs to be more built into the offense to add layers to give MPJ opportunities, whether that's with a bench. Like, I'll just say this once again for the millionth time. There's no reason that there isn't a stretch of time in a game where MPJ is not getting post-ups at the nail in triple threat. Like, if you want to say like, well, he hasn't really developed that yet. You know how he develops it by playing in game and doing it. Oh, well, you know, we're worried about the efficiency. Have you seen the bench offense most of the time? Cause it's not good. Like, is that, is it really going to be better than an MPJ? Even if it's just like a contested you know, pull up over a smaller defender, which it almost always is. MPJ needs to be the, have the ability to create a little bit off the dribble to be that weapon, a more dynamic weapon. He doesn't have to just be a spot up weapon. Now, if you want to say like his handle's not there, I absolutely agree. He's got to work on that, but you need to at least give him the opportunity to do that. And for whatever reason, I will say that if I had a concern about the Nuggets, and again, I think that they should be the favorite to win the title. I think they have the most championship equity in the NBA. But if I had a concern, it's that there is no, like there hasn't been much that they have added this year. They've added Peyton Watson has developed, and so he's given them different stuff. Reggie Jackson kind of gives them more individual stuff. They've added talent changes, but there's not a lot that, that I can see that's like a shift in terms of how the offense functions. And I, as much as I think the Jamal Jokic two-man game in the playoffs is unstoppable, you don't want to get to a point where you're just spamming it out of routine and there's not different dynamics to set up. Now, I say that and it's like, look, they killed a team with split action. I forget who it was. They ran split action at them like seven different times in one. They ran that double drag screen versus the Warriors and killed them on four different possessions. So it's not like they are just running high one five pick and roll over and over and over again. This isn't like Luka Ball. Like they do add layers into this kind of stuff in terms of how they 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 run those functions. And most of it is like there are very simple dynamics that that two-man game creates that are impossible for teams to adequately defend most of the time. But there should be mechanisms, I do think, to, to make sure that there are other things that are going on. The risk, though, is like, look, if you add these things in and you're building in more stuff for Michael Porter Jr. individually, is MPJ a great creator? He had some good passes last night, but is he a great creator? No, he's not. And so you risk the, the other side of this, which is like, why didn't Joker get the ball more late in the fourth quarter? Like that's always like a thing that everyone's always asking if they lose. Why didn't Joker just take every shot? Which I, I just will say for the record, I think is the dumbest thing imaginable. You know, which is just like, guys, the, sometimes basketball is not going to involve Joker. That's just how it goes in the course of an 82-game season. I get it in the playoff game. He needs to have the ball every time. I get that. But like, we could be reasonable here in these situations. Um, I do think that there's like, Aaron says, I liked MPJ and KCP staggering with the bench. I did too. Uh, Garrett says, we need to stagger MPJ and let him post up. I love his shot from the free throw line area. I feel like he's money from there. I totally agree with that as well. I think, um, you know, one thing I, I think that you have to say, in the Magic game, I did notice, like, Jamal got him shots. Jamal got Porter shots. He did have some passes to him. 
Uh, I don't feel, I think that there was a chemistry problem years ago with Jamal, but I think that, I think that if Jamal, I think if Porter's open and Jamal can make the read, Jamal will throw the pass. I don't think that this is anything with like Jamal not passing to Porter, which has been suggested by some. I just don't think that that's accurate. I've watched the film. I've seen guys look, look dudes off too, and I don't see it happening a lot. If there are sequences, it's because Porter is looking or it's because Murray is looking at something else. And bear in mind, the weight of point guards is very high. Even with Joker and how much pressure he takes off Jamal, Jamal still got the ball in his hands most possessions to start. So he's got to be able to make those reads. And if he doesn't, you know, maybe he, he doesn't catch the read because he's assuming the defense is set one way if it's not. And so I don't necessarily think that this is a case, but for me, this is more about the nuggets offense and the nuggets structure. And then a lot of this is the bench is I continue to feel like, and we've said this for years, right? And the bench was good yesterday. Bench has been fine this year, but the bench doesn't have like an offense. The bench is still just like a lot of, if DJ's out there, they can run some pick and roll and they killed the Pistons yesterday. But if DJ's not out there, if it's Zeke, it's just like a lot of dribble. That's all it is. It's like, let's try and maybe drive past a dude and maybe try and, and create something. And other than that, it's like play defense and run. And I get that there's limited personnel, but for them to, and maybe it's hard for them to run complex stuff, but I do think that Porter might enable them to run a little bit more. It's why I still continue to believe that the biggest thing missing, if you had one thing that you could add to this Nuggets team, I don't know what's missing because that would imply that they need it. I don't think they need it. They can win a title with this as is. But like, if there was one thing to complete the team, it would be a dribble handoff or standing handoff big in the backup unit. It's Kelly Olenek. Like, there are other guys that can do it, but Kelly Olenek is the easiest guy for me to identify. Is that if you just had the ability to run Kelly Olenek, Michael Porter Jr., or Jamal Murray, DHOs of that second unit, I mean, they would be a positive. It would be like the Celtics, where everybody's a plus, where the bench is good and the starters are good and everybody's good, and you wouldn't have to worry about, about the way that the teams can come back. That's the only thing really missing. Um, that said, I, I want to continue to say this. Porter has made every sacrifice and he has said the right things. Even these comments that he's made about things is out of like a genuine, I think desire to one answer the question and two, he should feel like he should get shots. Like you don't want Michael Porter jr. Being like, it's fine. If I don't shoot at all, you don't want that. You want him aggressive. You want that guy to play with pride and for, and aggressiveness and be like, yeah, man, like I'm going to drop 30 on him. You want that from Michael Porter Jr. And he can't do that without the ball. He's not saying like, give me the ball and get out of the way. You know, and, and Malone yesterday said they, when he was asked, how can he, what can he do to help give Porter more opportunities late in game? He's like, just play in the flow of the offense. Just do. And so it's like, there's this constant messaging of just do what you've done. Like don't go anywhere outside of your role. Don't call her outside the lines at all. They see Porter as purely three. And I don't know D is, is what I would say, but three in rebounds. And I think it's okay for Porter to imagine himself as more because he's such a great shooter and he's so tall and he is athletic. There's moves there. He's got a bag. And I think it's okay for Porter to want to show that. Now, as long as he's willing to sacrifice and not do those things because he wants to win championships, good for him. But also, if he's making that sacrifice and he's doing the things that you want, he's defending and he's rebounding, 
I don't know that he shouldn't have the opportunity to close games, no matter how much you're focused on defense at the end. That's going to do it for Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Make sure to tune us with us all throughout the week, Monday through Friday. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Nuggets. Catch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Locked On Nuggets. Swipe will be with you tomorrow. We'll talk to you again then. Thanks for joining us on Locked On Nuggets.